So Luke chapter 2, page 724. The birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Beth of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married with him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will, will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left him and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart and pondered them, pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Good morning, everyone, <clears throat> and um, uh, happy Christmas. It's great to see you here. And uh, uh, if I uh, don't shake your hand after the service, it's not because I don't love you. It's because you probably won't love what I've got to share. Uh, and uh, it's the dreaded lurgy. So no, uh, no handshakes, but fish, fist pumps are, uh, are fine uh, today after the service. Hey, uh, wasn't that a great um, thunderstorm last night? That was fantastic, wasn't it? We were uh, standing around in our house uh, discussing what was causing it and I was sharing my knowledge about, you know, particles, you know, smashing up against one another and causing friction and static electricity and, you know, all the kabooms in the sky and so on. But we did get the definitive explanation uh, which came through from, um, on Facebook actually, and from uh, Lachlan Hamilton. Uh, there's Lachlan over there, third row. <laughs> Good on you, Lachlan. Um, and uh, this is, yep, 8.36pm uh, last night from Lachlan Hamilton. It may look like regular lightning, but it's actually extreme static build-up caused by Santa's sleigh travelling at incomprehensibly fast speeds being released down to the surface of the earth in high-energy bursts. <laughs> Thanks, Lachlan. 
I thought that was worth repeating. So, <laughs> Well, <clears throat> it's official. <clears throat> uh, Sydney's longest ever closing down sale is about to end. Did you hear about that? The, uh, this is the last ever Christmas that you'll, ever, you'll be able to buy something from the Persian rug shop on Victoria Road, Roselle. It's the last Christmas that they are going to be open for business. The closing down sale has been dubbed the retail equivalent of John Farnham's last ever concert tour. Uh, and over the years, the, uh, the signs outside the shop who've uh, made... Uh, declarations such as this, and I quote, one million dollar sellout, uh, quote, end of lease, quote, hurry, everything must go, and so on. And so apparently they're celebrating the 10th anniversary of the closing down sale by actually closing down, shutting up shop for good. Uh, one local resident was reported as saying, and I quote, when the, first, when the shop first said it was closing down, we were looking forward to it. We were, look, we were waiting to see what shop would open up there next. But now, she said, every time we see a shop with a closing down, sign, si closing down sale sign on it, we're always sus because we just keep on thinking of the Persian rug shop, Victoria Road, Roselle. Always sus. It's understandable, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, people can feel duped. You, you know, you go in, you buy your rug, you think you've got the best deal ever because they're just trying to get them out the door because they're closing down and you find out that you've just paid the regular price. Uh, and when promises are made year after year after year after year without being fulfilled, uh, we become a bit sceptical. We become a little bit unbelieving. And rightly so. But I wonder if we can sometimes maybe even um, feel a little bit like that towards Christmas. Uh, every year we get those uh, Christmas cards, don't we, which um, with uh, the words on it, uh, peace on earth and goodwill towards all men. Uh, you might have received a card or two like that this year. You might have even sent out a card or two promising peace and goodwill for all men. Uh, you might have received a card like that this year, just like you did last year, and the year before that, and the year before that, and the year before that. As if one day there's going to be total peace on earth. Uh, one day there's going to be no conflict, and we're going to live entirely uh, in harmony with one another. And it doesn't seem to happen, does it? It never arrives. It doesn't match the reality of the world that we live in because no sooner do we see one conflict in the world um, being a bit subdued than another conflict emerges in its place. And I guess we've seen that this year, haven't we? Uh, I, I, I don't know much about this sort of stuff, but it seems to me you know, that the... Conflict in the Middle East is just starting to settle down a little bit, maybe. But as soon as you start to think that, well, then there's a big flare-up in Asia, you know, and conflicts emerging in uh, Korea and so on. And it's even in our own lives. This uh, Christmas peace that's been promised 
it can seem so elusive. It can seem like it's a promise which is just a little bit on the hollow side of things. Now, we don't place it in the same category as the Persian rug closing down sale, but we can kind of uh, reinterpret it, can't we, to try to make it fit the reality. And we can reduce this promise of peace, this Christmas promise, to uh, things like peace for one day. We just experience peace on Christmas Day. Uh, you know, like the World War I soldiers laying down their arms and crossing the lines and enjoying a cigarette with the enemy for Christmas Day and then starting shooting at each other on Boxing Day and so on. Or we can kind of put it in the category of being just wishful thinking. Um, very noble wishful thinking to think that one day there, there will be peace on earth. But nevertheless, we kind of think it's in the same sort of, same sort of category as the fantasy of Christmas. Now, is this the case? Is the Christmas peace promise just a nice idea, um, but the, the one which will never happen? Or is there something more to it than that? I want us to have a look at our passage today. Um, because in the passage, we see where this promise uh, came from. It was a promise uh, from the angels to uh, the shepherds. And <clears throat> the, shepherd, the angels promised that uh, this uh, child would be born to you and that he would be, um, there would be peace on earth and goodwill towards all men. But I want to read you just a little bit more of what the angels said to the shepherds on that memorable night. Have a look at, chapter, uh, at um, verse 10, which says, But the angels said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you, and he is, Christ, he is the Messiah, the Lord, or he is Christ, the Lord. Now, do you see how Jesus is described by the angel? Uh, he is said to be a saviour, Christ the Lord. I wonder if that's how most people think of Jesus. I wonder if you talk to people <clears throat> on the street and ask them what their impression of who they think Jesus actually is. Uh, many people would think of Jesus as being an influential religious leader uh, or someone great who philosophised on life or just a moral teacher. But the claim that the Bible is making is actually much greater than that. Do you know that the Bible uh, never claims that uh, wars and conflicts are going to end uh, in this life before the day of judgment? The, the Bible says that uh, conflicts and wars are going to actually continue until the last day. And so... This promise is not like the, the never-ending closing down sale because we see not in the micro scale of our own personal relationships um, through to the macro scale of international conflicts that the conflicts and the wars that we experience are actually a result of human sin. Um, there's a reason why we don't treat one another the way we should. And that's because we actually don't treat God the way that we should. Uh, in 2016, there was a big survey done of Australians to ascertain uh, what people actually believed about life and reality and so on. 
And about 45% of Australians who were surveyed said that they agree that there is something or someone beyond this life which makes sense of life. That's actually quite a small percentage, really, isn't it? Uh, only 45%. Uh, but my guess is that because you're here today, you're actually included in that 45%. Uh, you, you know that there's something bigger, something greater that makes sense of life. You know that the treadmill of life that we're all on, uh, that that's just not... There's more to life than that. And the Bible tells us that that is the case. The Bible tells us that God is the unfathomable genius who created the universe. And that God has made us to be his very special creation. Uh, he's made us to be beings who actually live in relationship with himself. And that night out on that paddock, those shepherds, they actually caught a glimpse of that spiritual reality when the heavens opened up and there was the, the great um, throng of angels uh, in the sky. Do you know, um, Mary's fiancé, Joseph, he also saw something of the spiritual reality because uh, before Jesus was born, another angel told Joseph that Jesus would save his people from their sins. And that's what the name Jesus means. It means the Lord saves. And it helps us to understand the type of peace which the angel promised. Friends, Jesus definitely came in order to bring peace. But primarily, it is a peace between us and our Creator. He came to stop the conflict that you and I have with our God. Have you ever thought of yourself as being in conflict with God? I guess a lot of people don't think that way, um, although we know that we've all done things and thought things and we've said things which don't impress God, but we might say, hey, you know what, um, I'm just like everyone else in that regard. And that's exactly the point. Every one of us, every one of us here, you and me, We've all offended God in many ways. So we might be happy to agree that God exists. We might be in that 45%. But we go through life as if God doesn't exist. You know, whether we think of ourselves as being good or bad or somewhere in between, I think it's fair to say that we all live our lives our way and not God's way. We're offside with God and deserve his judgment. Now, at Christmas time, we love to think of Jesus as being that cute baby in the manger, like the little drawing on your uh, outlines of your sheets there. But to understand how that helpless baby can bring peace between us and God, we actually need to move beyond the manger uh, and to the cross, to the cross upon which Jesus died 33 years later. What does it mean to say that Jesus died for us? Let me illustrate it with a story that came out of the Middle East um, a number of years ago. There was a young uh, Jewish man, uh, a teenager, by the name of Yigal Cohen, and his, he was going to die, he had a sickness, he was going to die unless he had a heart transplant, and he was hanging on to life by a thread 
Around the time he needed a heart, there was a young Palestinian teenager who was murdered by some Jewish settlers. And he had the right heart for Yigal Cohen. When the Palestinian boy's parents found out about the Jewish boy who needed the heart, they didn't hesitate. They knew that his heart could be used to save a life, and in this case, even the life of an enemy or someone who was part of the enemy. And so they agreed. Now, that's a real gift of life, isn't it? Uh, can you imagine uh, the Jewish boy's parents saying, no, 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 thanks, we don't need that? Of course not. Now, friends, God has given us a much greater gift than that. Because when Jesus was 33 years old, the religious leaders, they conspired with the Romans to slaughter Jesus, to kill him on a cross. And that was an appalling act. But yet, you know what? God allowed it to happen. And the reason was because Jesus was no ordinary man. Remember what the angels said to the shepherds about Jesus? He is Christ the Lord. He's not just a moral philosopher. He's just not a, some great religious leader of the past. The baby that was born in the cowshed was actually God come in the flesh. And yet he came on the flesh, in the flesh, to die for us. Because on the cross, all of God's wrath, all of God's judgment, all of God's anger for our sin was actually poured out on Jesus instead. The penalty which you and I deserved was paid for by Jesus by his death on the cross. And that means that you and I can be forgiven. Uh, God can wipe, wipe clean our slate because our debt has been paid, we can be forgiven and restored in our relationship with God so that we can enjoy a true peace, a peace with God, a peace which starts now and which lasts for all of eternity. You know, when the uh, Palestinian, uh, when the Palestinians offered the heart of their son to the Jewish boy to save him, that gift could have been accepted or rejected. And so too it is with God's gift. The choice is ours. And when we accept God's offer of peace, it changes us. So we no longer want to live for ourselves. And when we truly understand what, who Jesus is and what he's done, we now want to live for God and live for others as well. You know, the, um, the, Persian, the Persian rug closing down sale in Roselle, it is finally coming to an end. We know that for a fact. Um, apparently, at one stage, in that same vicinity, on the, all the corners, there was actually three Persian rug shops. And the locals, they, were, they wondered, who on earth is buying all of these Persian rugs? And that's a fair question. But this Christmas, the sale is for real. It is closing down. You know why? You know why it's closing down? It's called West Connects. West Connects. Compulsory acquisition. 
No more rugs, no more sale, because there's no more building. It's coming down. West connects, as they say, it's ruining everything. Even the classic perpetual Persian rug closing down sale. But God's offer of forgiveness and peace is not like that. Uh, It's not a gimmick. It's not closing down. It's still open for business. And it's for you. So this Christmas, I just want to ask you if you've accepted God's offer of peace. And if not, then hey, why not do so even this Christmas? No better time than now. And that's a peace which can change your life forever. We're going to sing a bit more about that piece now, so I'll invite the musicians up.